Good evening and welcome back to Editing Aloud. I have with me a panel of some of South Africa's best and most insightful journalists in a week in which we've had pretty bad news on the economy. But Warren Thompson, you were not surprised. That's right, Hilary. Um, obviously, as part of my job, I pedal my bicycle around town and speak to a range of business leaders, many in the financial services that are extending credit and making investments in private and public uh, businesses and it's been quite clear for at least three years this economy has been flat on its back and whatever nominal growth stats SA has has uh, registered um, is just very kind of uh, it's, it's a bit like a mirage because the real underlying tone is that um, local investors are not investing in the economy for a variety of reasons and uh, I think from my point of view, things are going to get it worse before they get better. So we could see um, even bigger numbers coming through this year based on just anecdotal evidence speaking to these guys. Look, can you run us through the GDP numbers? Were they much worse than expected and why was that? And what does it mean for, for this coming year? No, definitely, Hillary. I mean, as, as Warren says, if you've been watching the economy and watching people's behavior, people trying to sell houses or people trying to sell things that shops you I mean you know the economy has been struggling but the extent well I don't think anybody expected it I think in the day before which we sort of looked at the surveys around Bloomberg and I think like the, the, I think the most pessimistic number was that the economy will shrink 0.6% and the, the, the actual number was and, and the minus 1.4% well, for the yeah, quarter yeah, exactly so twice as much as the most mm. pessimistic uh, like sort of like I've analyst who but the, but the strange thing about that, actually, there was somebody who was over-optimistic there who was actually calling for 2% growth. <laughs> so, so Do like, you think growth? 2% <laughs> growth in that quarter, yes. Yeah. There was actually but with the, all the load sharing and everything. The, exactly so, so, I mean, to what extent was the minus 1.4 in that fourth quarter of last year, which takes us to 0.2 for the year as a whole, mm. which is pretty dire. To what extent was it all load shedding or were there other factors as well? I mean, actually, from what I've seen in commentary from Stats SA, like things I've read, it doesn't look like that was actually the main driver. The load shedding was it's, not was the main I think like, the, 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 the weakness was across the board and the, I mean, the load shedding didn't come into play to it, but, but I think it would be a bit misleading to sort of blame it all on load shedding. Mm. I, mean, I mean, there's, as I said, like, I mean, this, this has been a sort of like a slow burning sort of trend track, trend track that's been coming for a while. It didn't... There are a lot of other issues. I mean, if you look at the capital formation numbers, which just talks to generalized That's lack investment. of confidence. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you're talking about a 10% drop there. I mean, it's hard to think like load shedding that came at the end of the year in December, when, when you remember most factories are already closing by then. And so there's, there's I mean, in, in anything, you would have actually thought like uh, people's expectations about the impact of load shedding would have been a bit maybe overestimated because it came really in, like in December when 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 factories and most 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 mines are already out of out of out of out of, out of, out of like action. So, do you yeah. say, so what does this now mean for this current 2020 year, where people were forecasting one percent growth ish, which is not very great, but it now looks like we're not even going to make one percent. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as as uh, Lucanio and uh, Warren has have mentioned, I mean it's. If load shedding was not a big factor in as into the 1.4 percent drop in the quarter to to December, then you can imagine what impact that would have 
in the coming quarters. And if you've seen the data that have been coming out from the PMIs to uh, the, uh, the South African Reserve Bank leading indicator, I mean, things are not looking good. And coupled with that, I mean, I know we're not directly affected by the coronavirus as yet, but, you know, it's, you know, as China and Europe are affected, the knock-on effect. Yeah, it's just run us through how does that affect the economy, even if we'd never see a case, which, please God, we won't. But Yeah, uh, uh, so with China is, you know, is the world, you know, the world's second biggest economy, and then it's also our major trading partner. If they shut down their factories, and our auto companies here, for example, will not be able to access parts and then they will have to shut down. Oh, so example. it's the supply chain coming in, but it's chain, also so commodities yeah. being exported going also out. Commo yeah, what, what do we sell to China, maybe? Well, we sell uh, primarily it's all commodities like your industrial metals, uh, your ore. copper, iron ore. Yeah. Um, so those, I mean, if, if a major player in the global economy is uh, walled off, I mean, that's, you will see the impact even if we are not directly affected by coronavirus. So we get hit both ways, both the supplies that are not coming in of say parts and mm. the exports that are that yeah. are not coming yes. out. Yeah. And also must remember like Chinese uh, people are big tourism market. Yes. So suddenly you've got all these people in China who can't go anywhere. They can't leave their house, let alone get on a flight and go to Cape Town and enjoy mm. their wines and Stellenbosch. And I think that's going to be impact for, ev for everybody across the world. I'm sure like if mm. you're like the mayor of Paris and the mayor of Rome, you, you, you're probably thinking the same thing, you know, so the, the massive impact. That's why, like, you know, when, when we were talking just now about the, the stimulus from the Fed last night. Yeah, so the, the Fed the cuts <laughs> rates all of a sudden by 50 basis points. Was that a big surprise? Uh, well, the big surprise, because I think I was listening to somebody like um, an analyst in the U.S. from, I think he was being interviewed on Bloomberg probably the night before, saying that nah, this, is, this is not a big enough move. It has to go down another 10% or something like that. The so, market so, has Yeah, I'm sure like he's probably got sitting there with egg in his face. But, mm. but, the, but, the, but the problem is, like, when we, all the things we're talking about here, this is about confidence, it's about supply chains. So how you cut rates and how that does anything if people are not leaving their homes, literally. That's, uh, are, they, are they suddenly going to leave their home and go shop because they can borrow like a zero pound five percent less? <laughs> well, also, I mean, yeah. you have to start factoring in the panic factor. Mm. I mean, from everything I'm hearing, certainly globally, it hasn't hit South Africa yet, but uh, companies are cancelling all travel. Mm. Uh, people are reluctant to go to shopping malls or any public places. The IMF World Bank um, spring meetings during April have just been, well, not cancelled, but they've been turned into virtual meetings. Mm. Um, this is huge. And you say the Fed rate cut didn't have quite the desired effect. I mean, if anything, I mean, I don't know if, if you've ever, anybody ever seen that before. Fed comes in, cuts rates by like 50 basis points. Because I mean, the, the forecast for the rest of the year were put about 25 basis points. And now they gave 50 basis points in one day in between meetings. And the stock market, instead of booming, it was down almost 3% yesterday. Mm -hmm. It was actually the biggest decline in about a week or so. So which tells you, you know, obviously from, 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 from the equity man, fund managers or in traders, they're probably thinking, is, it a, is, is this a cause of panic? Do they know something we don't know? Or, or, or else they think it's going to be ineffective. Like, like, I mean, if, if, they, if, if this is a purely, uh, mainly a supply-driven issue, then how is cheaper money actually going to solve it? I mean, what, what impact do you expect this to have, have on financial markets, Warren? Uh, I think uh, Hillary, it's already... services companies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, I think it's already happening. Um, just the general slowdown, as you see, the Americans are now being affected largely due to what's happened. I think they had one case 
um, in Washington State. So they've got, they know they've got the viruses hit the mainland, but nothing on the scale that you've seen like in, in China and Italy. But as you say, it's the knock-on effect. It's now people not traveling. They're talking about canceling um, sporting events. So ultimately, this is all going to feed into, uh, it'll spread almost like the virus into other industries that are not directly in the firing line. Um, and the stock markets have already spoken. I mean, we've seen uh, Lacanio and I were talking about it the other day. You've seen some of the sharpest falls in the stock market in, in our lifetimes, I think. Um, it's, it was so sharp uh, last week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 already it's already impacting, and and then obviously you have the secondary effects when people's uh, like in the U.S. where you've had a booming stock market for a year, people have the wealth effect because they feel wealthier, they spend more. Uh, that works the, in the other direction when you have these sharp sell-offs as well, if if they are sustained. Mm -hmm. I was going to say that look at the difference, say two thousand eight when you had that big sell-off. At least there, you know, you could see the problem. Okay, banks. Over leverage themselves. You can see this how you can actually sort that out. Get some money out, bail out the banks, you know, do some fiscal stimulus or whatever. But with this one, you don't actually even diagnose the problem yet, <laughs> let alone find a solution to it. Mm -hmm. And you know, it seems like that, I think that's why maybe the Fed's the reaction to the Fed was a bit what, what? Because it maybe looked like a bit of a knee jerk reaction, you know, not really like clarity on what it's actually supposed to achieve. You know? So, I mean, is it, is it the, this is a degree of uncertainty, perhaps, which markets are not used to. Would that be an accurate thing to say? Where, where there's no obvious, I mean, you I can, mean, it's well, there is a solution, there'll be a vaccine eventually and yeah. maybe somebody can contain it, but we don't know what it looks like yet. Yeah, um, it's certainly, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think the, m the market has seen something like this before, particularly from, not, not from a public health point of view, but from, what what this thing is morphing into because it's becoming a, an, an economic uh, problem more than a public health uh, issue, honestly. Bec because, I mean, back in 2003 when the SARS outbreak, uh, China was a very uh, was a very small player in the global economy. But now, it's uh, it's much bigger. So whatever happens. The investors feel it, so it's it's much more uncertain. Even, you know, I I think you know, back in 2003 when people would say, well, there's no cure for uh, for for SARS, um, it wasn't it wasn't a big issue in global markets, mm -hmm. and it was more of a public issue, a public health issue. I'm going to jump to a completely sure. different subject because we'll come back to yeah. South African issues after the break. But U.S. elections, um, Biden for president. I mean, the Democratic primaries, Super Tuesday yesterday, were showing Biden coming up. Now, well, first of all, has Biden got any chance of being the U.S. president? But second of all, could all of this global growth coronavirus stuff, could this tip election results in key countries? I mean, is it likely to, we've talked about the economic fallout. Warren, what are the chances it has political fallout? Yeah, so, so obviously uh, it was South Carolina that really sparked Joe Biden's run because up until that point it had been dominated by uh, Bernie Sanders and it was really the black voters in uh, South Carolina that uh, gave him that big win that in the space of 72 hours now sees him uh, trading, trading positions with Bernie in the big states of Texas and California and, and I'm sure they're still busy Counting California there now, seems but it was to a couple. Be way ahead on. He's one California. He's, he's one California yeah. already, great. Bernie and Texas was Bernie one California. Bernie one California. Bernie one California. Bernie one California, and then they were close. And they Biden. were tied in Texas. Yeah. So, so, so they've come out with the Sanders Biden binary mm. here. Luke? 
I suppose that when Sanders was seen as the, what do you want to call it, the extreme left, whatever you want to call it, sort of candidate, I think from people who are establishment, people who want to take on Trump, they're probably thinking America is not ready for somebody who calls himself what, what, democratic socialist. socialist yeah. I mean, the term socialist is, 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 is a form of insult there. So let's put a bit of panic that like, they do sort of hand over the, the win to Trump. Even though some people would argue maybe Trump showed, because Trump's own victory came against the, the conventional wisdom that said, you know, you had to be on the moderate side, you had to be in the middle. But he took it totally to the extreme on the other end. But then when you look at American demographics overall, maybe it might work for somebody who's extreme on the right. But then if you're extreme on the left, it might not be, or you feel seen to be extreme. I don't want to be taking sides on mm. and this one. And I think that what Warren said about uh, Biden and the black vote was actually quite crucial as well. I mean, I, I think one of the headlines was after he won that vote, he said, so he said he appealed to black voters in other states. Like uh, I think the headline I saw was like about him reinventing or bringing back what, what, what they called the Obama coalition, which then is like, you know, educated white people, young people, African-Americans, like a much more nice. diverse group of people. I and mean, you, could, you could probably also there include like, you know, same-sex people, marriages and stuff like that. People, you know, those kind of issues, like social democracy. It's going to be an interesting one yeah. to watch the next few months. Panel, we've talked about global growth falling out of bed. We've talked about um, local growth falling out of bed. Last week's budget was not a very pretty picture in any event, to say so. Um, you know, even with this public sector pay cut, we still get quite high deficits and debt just ballooning forever. Now we've got potentially low growth globally and locally. And we've had some pushback from the trade unions. Mm. I mean, is last week's budget already being derailed, as it were. Uh, but you, you could say that. I mean, if you look at particularly the GDP num number and also what, you know, what is likely to happen with the economy um, in the coming quarters. I mean, you could say that if the economy is unlikely to grow or even contract further, so that means that our debt to GDP ratio, the forecast that's been on the table would have, you know, would have to be rewritten. So that's you know that's a key 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 figure um, a key ratio that uh, uh, that Moody's and other rating agencies will be looking at. So uh, you could say to 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 a large extent that's you know that 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 would mean that you know we'll have to relook at what we we've, we've said last week. We I mean, one of the issues that's coming up is well the, the big issue on the budget was will 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 Titumbo when he get his 160 billion. Yeah. Um, public sector wage moderation. But now one of the issues that's coming up, I think you reported in Business Day, is the 1st of April is coming up soon. That is when the third year of the three-year wage settlement kicks in. And the question is, will government just let it go? I mean, since the trade unions are clearly not agreeing to anything yet, or does government cancel that third wage increase? And if so, with what implications, panel? volunteers on this <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could imagine, like, you, if you are very optimistic, you would think at the time of national crisis, people would get together, you know, like the same way you'd expect, like, I don't know, if, it, if we were sitting in Germany or whatever, you would think there'd be some consensus across. We social know, compact. You know, the social compact, I think that's the word you're using. But we, I don't think we are like there yet. So we still, people are still fighting their corners. And it's really see, hard to see how, where, where, where this actually ends. I mean, Things were things were quite dire last week. I mean, I mean now you add in these terrible GDP numbers, and you think what does what does that do to your debt to GDP ratios? And 
steps And also, Warren, the, the pushback from the trade unions, I mean, they sort of came, well, the public sector unions pretty instantly came back and said, well... Naturally no. so. I think you expected that political reaction, but I think you, you're wondering about how serious they are about literally bringing the country to a standstill. And uh, I've always thought, you know, that this idea of perhaps an economic cadessa, where you pull all the parties together and ask them to make one big sacrifice for the greater good of the country, uh, and build consensus around a common goal, because we actually all want the same thing. If that's not a a route for the president to try and find consensus because I think as a union you've got to be looking at this and saying well we're now getting to the end of this line we, we can't carry on the way we've been going so we can either we can either try and manage the situation in terms of the jobs on the public sector wage bill or we're going to get at some stage dictated to by the likes of an IMF if it gets that bad so why why look at you know I think we've got to try and build uh, some some consensus and an agreement about what is best for South Africa and who is going to make the hard compromises as each um, member of that tripartite, you know, uh, agreement, you know, between business, government and labor. He said, so how likely is such a compact actually? And what happens if we can't get one? Look, uh, yeah. Look, it seems, I mean, because, I mean, given the fact that, um, I mean, because we, we've had that when when Tito presented this, um, um, this 160 billion rand um, in, in, in cost savings, it did not get the political buy-in, the political, the, there was no political consensus. And so you would... no deal on the table. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if, yeah, so if you've got that going and then you have the economy slipping into a recession, I mean, you, you might have those, some of those people within the ANC pushing back and say, well, look, I mean, things are looking bad, so you want to add this. So it, it's, un it, yes, it, it's unlikely, you know, it, it, it seems the, you know, the, uh, the cost savings might have to be rewritten or, you know, re or repackaged in a way that, um, you know, that would appease all social, you know, social compact members. Look, can you, I mean, is that, is that likely? Yeah. And if that happens, I mean, what does it do I mean, to I mean, there's the credibility of the budget? Exactly. Like, I mean, I think there's, I think there's, there, maybe there's two points to this argument. One says Cyril doesn't want to, like, annoy the unions, and, like, yeah. he's too scared to take them on, or whatever word you want to use. Mm. He's scared, like, you know, the ANC general council coming up, he might be kicked out of office, so he doesn't want to do that. But then, I like, guess Warren says, that if you keep going this way, I think there's a consensus that IMF will be here soon enough. So I don't, and I don't see Cyril Maposa surviving the, you know, after the after the IMF has been here. So it's, so so if he thinks he's gonna fall, if he does something in the six months, then he's definitely gonna fall in two years time, or whatever when the IMF does come. So well, so maybe, maybe short term, maybe, long term, yeah, trade exactly. Short term, medium term, trade and the things that he doesn't even have long term because the IMF will be here, in, in, not 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 what you would describe the the the, the long term. So he, you know, he might be here before even his second term. <laughs> Oh. And, I, and I mean, to, to point the gun around on, on the union side as well, I mean, they do have a point when they say, but hold on, you know, you don't want to perhaps uh, pay us uh, inflation-linked or above inflation-linked increases, but what about all this fruitless and wasteful expenditure that we hear about every day in the newspaper and that you're in charge of? So, you know, those are some of the concessions and, and the fact that, you know, we've had a trillion rand shipped out of this country because of state capture and no one's been charged for it yet. 
uh, there's plenty of fire that they can throw back at the government and they would certainly get uh, my sympathies as well. Speaking of pay, uh, Nedbank Chief Executive Mike Brown, um, the bank reporting worse than expected results yesterday, Warren. Yes. Um, And one of the bank's responses is to freeze executive salaries. Right. 0% increase. Now, right. is, this, is this something other banks could follow? Is it something that <coughs> anyone else in corporate South Africa has done? Because it's quite, a, it's quite a powerful signal, no? Absolutely. And, and it's a great one for the likes of Busa to uh, go and parade around their debates with governments is to say, well, look, here's a, here's a bank that's highly profitable still. Even uh, though the profits have fallen. Even though the profits mm-hmm. have fallen, right? Um, but we are freezing at the top level executive salary increases. And on top of that, the bonus pool has shrunk by 24%. That's right. So in terms of putting money where your mouth so, is... So there's no increases plus these very limited bonuses. Plus the bonus pool's gone down by, by 24%. They are, as I say, still highly profitable. They made 12 billion rand in profits for 2019. <laughs> but as... As we were discussing yesterday, it's very symbolic uh, of what is going on, and I suspect if it's I suspect it's happening in other corporates uh, around the country. It's just that this is, is starting at the top. This is very much starting at the top, and then will probably filter down depending on how uh, things go this year to to the lower uh, the lower profile of employees in the bank. I'll be interested to see if other companies follow the lead. Um, I wouldn't be. Su- I wouldn't be surprised. It sort of it puts them yeah. on the spot, doesn't it? I mean, it, yeah, exactly. Like, I, mean, I think. I mean, you can argue the numbers were quite bad for NetBank, obviously, but they said that's still highly profitable. But but this is quite a nice headline for them. It's sort of showed them as being proactive. Yeah, <laughs> but then, of course, like as you said, like I mean, if, I don't know if if it's a precursor for job cuts and other things. So you can say to the to, to the smaller bees, look, I've already taken. My sacrifice. I'm only. I'm. I'm only staying on 30 million rands a year, whatever it is. <laughs> so if it might not go so well. But so you were saying, look, Anya, before before the program that, that uh, you know, bank executives tend to blame earnings declines on mm. the economy when times are bad, but they they never really give the economy credit mm. when times are good. I was only not slightly joking, exactly like when I was gonna, like I said, when is the last time you ever seen a bank CEO in, in the good times? Saying we didn't do it, it, was, it wasn't about me, it was yeah. just the economy. Please, Take my I, don't, bonus I, don't need that, I don't need that bonus. I actually didn't do anything. I was playing golf most of the year. <laughs> I don't get the meaning, Mike Brown. So, um, the, the worse than expected results, though, from Nedbank. I mean, are yeah. they? It does seem to suggest quite a bad economy. Um, are other banks, the reporting season's now starting for all the banks. Are we going to see the same kind of earnings declines at other banks and financial institutions? Uh, hard to say definitively, Hilary, but I think what you will see is certainly this, the, big, the, the big swing factor here for Nedbank and its core earnings was that its impairments grew rapidly. So they're still within the middle of their guidance. But it went from the very low end of their impairment ratio, which is their bad debts as a percentage of their loans, swung up by 54% to the middle of their uh, guidance. They're pretty, uh, Mike's pretty c- confident that they can keep it there. I, I have my doubts. But I think what you'll see across the board in terms of s- the South African operations of, of our big banks is that the impairment ratios are definitely going to move up. As a result of so that's the provisions they make for bad debts for bad debts Both yeah because of the economy income. the job losses the weak growth etc etc so that's definitely one thing I would expect 
comes through. The, the banks are configured differently. I think as we spoke of, Air Standard Bank has a big African operations and those are flying. So they'll get a lot of earnings growth from that and that might offset the weak uh, South African environment. Um, lastly, uh, you said so the, the, the president has been briefing editors actually this week and yes. telling them all sorts of things about ESCOM and the economy. Um, on ESCOM, he wants to sell power stations. Is that a good idea? Well, I mean, if because um, I, I think it's it's not just working power stations; it's power stations that could be that will be you know mothballed. I mean, that's that makes sense to me. Um, if you're not going to be able to, if you're not going to be using it, and you you can't leave it lying there, then best maybe sell it to someone who could try and revive it and revive it and make money out of it, or even contribute the electricity to the grid. But um, I mean, it speaks to really what you know what he's been trying to do, in, that is implement and push through reforms that would put the economy back on a robust, robust footing. I mean, it's it's a step up, uh, although small, but it's a it's a step up. Well, was that briefing? I mean, did he provide any reassurance that reform is on track? This I mean, I think in fairness to him, to give him credit, like he spoke a lot about this, how this, you know, these numbers you know, highlight the need for reforms, mm -hmm. you know, as, as reforms that we have, like you know, Minister has come up with. Mm -hmm. And so like, he could have easily tried and sort of like do what politicians do, so like blame the external environment mm -hmm. and say, like, you know, we have to stick out there, like the global economy has to recover, whatever. But in, but in fairness to him, he, he, did, he did own up to some of the weaknesses. Mm -hmm of his own government and his own administration, and not only just blame the one from before. Mm -hmm. the, 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 I mean, the push is always going to be in the actual delivery. Because he's been saying the right things. I don't think you can fault his message. Uh, the question is, is, is what he does. Is the follow through. Is the follow through, yeah, exactly. That is, that is actually all we have time for this evening. But please join us again next week for another edition of Editing Aloud. And never a dull moment.